Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. You know, this week's guest is a return trip from episode number seven. We feature Jeremy Harrell, founder of Veterans Club Kentucky. Now, Jeremy shares an amazing story of returning from his deployments and having a rough go at reassimilating with civilian life. Jeremy clearly demonstrated the fortitude to fight on and overcome his challenges, and has since moved on to found his nonprofit organization who serves almost 1,500 veterans to date. I ask each and every one of you listening to this episode to share Jeremy's testimony with a veteran or first responder in your family. Oftentimes, individuals in those professions are struggling, and unfortunately, they're very, very good at hiding it from those closest to them. To give this follow-up episode more context, go back to episode number seven and listen to Jeremy's testimony. What he has accomplished is nothing short of amazing, and his life of service continues to grow. You can find Veterans Club Kentucky on Instagram and Facebook, or visit their website as well, veteransclubky.com. As always, you can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Rain Podcast, and we ask you to share the show with a friend. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Jeremy Harrell. Mr. Jeremy Harrell, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. How about you? Doing very well. Hey, I want to thank you for the return trip to Let Freedom Rain Podcast. You originally featured in episode number seven in September of 2018. Due to our busy, busy schedules, we were going to do an annual update, but our schedules don't align in the September range, so here we are today knocking it out. It's been an exciting year for you in Veterans Club Kentucky, and hopefully we can learn a little bit about the growth and the mission served in the, in the last year since our, our last episode. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's been a blessing, man, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's gaining momentum faster than I was prepared for, actually, but uh, we're getting there. I was going to say, that, that's kind of what happens when uh, God's work's involved, huh? <laughs> that's that's right. Ready or not, right? Yeah. He uh, when he takes the reins, uh, we just got to sit back and enjoy the ride and, and do what uh, we're intended to do with it. Absolutely. So, I know it's been a very busy schedule for you. Um, dare I ask the question? What's been new the last couple of weeks? So, well, we're we're uh, our equine program uh, has the demand has has been over a hundred percent. I mean, we're uh, we're getting uh, calls out not just from individual veterans. But from organizations and even uh, private businesses who have veterans who work for them um, that they think would be uh, or gain benefit from the program. And so uh, we're adding that uh, part of it is going to be new and working with the civilian sector, well, with veterans, but on the civilian sector. Um, we've been doing that and we got a lot of, we've been, you know, diving into several of the, the veteran events uh, that's national, such as the National. Veteran Wheelchair Games that's hosted by the Paralyzed Veterans of America, and that's super cool to be a part of. And and our name's getting out there, and we're uh, we're respected, and and uh, we're uh, called upon a lot more than uh, we were the last time we talked. Yes, sir. And let's let's recap a little bit. And and if folks want to hear your story in detail, they can go back to episode number seven and uh, listen to everything in full detail. But let's take maybe five five or six minutes for our new listeners to kind of recap who you are, what you're all about, and kind of how we came to be as far as Veterans Club and and, and partnering up here with Let Freedom Rain podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a, I'm a combat veteran of Iraq. Uh, I'm a U.S. Army vet. I deployed to Iraq in uh, 2003, 2004, the initial invasion. And um my life changed over there in a lot of ways. Um, 
got to experience some things that uh, were uncomfortable and uh, beyond anything that I could have envisioned ever experiencing being here at home. Um, I thought everything was okay, got home and realized that uh, when it comes to being a totally different man, um, the way that you do things and handle things is totally different as well. And so um, I didn't have a lot of resources or a lot of people reaching out wanting to want to be helpful. Uh, about veteran programs and services out there to help those who are struggling to come back home because see, they don't train you uh, to come back home. And it's really interesting because they train us really well to, to go and do that. Um, and so I was just kind of lost, man. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't have a mission anymore. Uh, I got hurt over there. And so I got out of the army and uh, didn't know what to do with it. Um, you know, so my wife is more of a, a horse person than I was, right? She had more experience with horses and she had done, grew up around horses and she approached me one day, we were in the basement. I was going through a rough week and um, she was just talking about, hey, Jeremy, I think you would benefit from being around horses, you know? And I was very reluctant to that because like I said, uh, I had never had any experience with a horse and they're, they're big intimidating animals. And so uh, I kind of brushed it off initially, but she wasn't going to let it in there, right? She, uh, she just kept, you know, she's like, I really think you should go do this program out in Kansas. Uh, and so, you know, happy wife, happy life. And so I, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I, I signed up and I signed up honestly in hopes that I wouldn't get called. Uh, I may have halfway filled out the application, that kind of thing. And, but sure enough, it wasn't a couple hours later, they called and said, Hey, we had a cancellation. Um, is there any way you can come out this weekend? So I had a couple of days in between. And so I went out there and, we got out to the to the ranch, and, and I'll tell you, man, it was – I can't hardly explain um, what it did to me and, and being around those horses and getting to learn that animal and, uh, you know, seeing the similarities between us and um, the, the, the beautiful distraction that they are, right? Because at that moment when I'm sitting there, I was grooming the horse at the time. I'm sitting there grooming the horse, and I wasn't thinking about anything but, but that horse and that dirt that I was brushing off and – and kind of the watching the behavior of the horse to ensure that, you know, everything was kosher. And, and, uh, I got addicted to that, you know, that, that distraction. And I'm like, you know, if this could benefit a lot of people back home in Kentucky. And so, uh, I, I just had that in the back of my mind and we did a Megan Kelly interview there, uh, because it, it did so much to me. I had such an impact on me. Uh, Patrick brought me back to do a, do an interview and, and, uh, that it was said on the air that Jeremy is going to do this in his home state of Kentucky. And I, I had not one horse. I didn't have a farm. <laughs> I didn't have a truck to pull it. And so uh, I was like, well, what am I going to do to figure this out? And, you know, <laughs> That's a fair question. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, but you know what? God is faithful, man. And, um, and I just prayed and, and he's been in this since the beginning. And I prayed and I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, uh, by all means, lead the way. I'll follow you. And I think that's the first time in my life I've ever truly submitted to God um, and really meant it. You know, I've prayed a hundred pr thousand prayers in my life and, and maybe didn't really wasn't intentional as I should have been. But this one was different. And and, uh, and so he did. He blessed it. And we went to go get a horse. And, and uh, guys like here, you know, since you're using it for that, you know, he, he has a better mission with you. Just take the horse. Right. All I want is a T-shirt, a Veterans Club T-shirt. Right. And so. I was like, well, that's good. I can do that all day. And so we took the horse and, and then, uh, Aaron's friend and my wife, uh, from her, her days of dealing with horses, she knew a bunch of friends who had farms and we, we reached out to them. They're like, yeah, sure. I'd love for you to do that program here. Man, it's just, 
everything just fell into place. And I laugh at times now when I look back and go, there's no way this should have been as easy as it was to get started. <laughs> yeah. I should have had to have a lot yeah. of money and I didn't, I mean, I didn't have to, and it just, I let God have it, man. And that's the key to life is just allowing God to just take control and just really believe it because you can't worry and have faith at the same time, you know? And so, um, uh, and that's something that I still practice. I think we're all going to practice it till the end of time. But, and so that's how veterans club got started. You know, we just started inviting veterans out, um, uh, to, to the to the farm and, and going through some horse stuff, some basic horsemanship stuff, how to groom, how to tack a horse up. We did a little riding in the round pen, how to work a horse in the round pen, just just uh, you know basic stuff like that. But it was it, it made such a huge impact because not only were they learning a skill, they were also uh, you know getting developing that brotherhood with with each of the participants and and uh, getting that camaraderie that I believe is the foundation of the re reduced suicide rate is we have to have connection first. I mean, you can have all the programs in the world you want and have all the retreats to send veterans to, but it's all about connection because if they, if veterans, and I know this from experience, but if veterans feel alone, then that's when the darkness starts to take over and they start getting these thoughts of suicide. And, and we got to ensure as a people, it's our responsibility to ensure these, these veterans know that we have their back and, and that we're going to be there and we owe it to them. You know, and so that's how it got started. And, and obviously there was a need here in Kentucky. I was really surprised there wasn't a program quite like mine here in Kentucky because, um, I mean, it's the horse capital of the world, arguably. Uh, not for me, but some people may argue that. I believe it. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it just it just took off. And, and uh, word got around. And, and uh, now here we are. You know, we, we serve about 1,500 veterans uh, in the state of Kentucky. And we're, we're gaining more every day and getting more opportunities to do that. And, we're helping Salvation Army of Louisville, Volunteers of America, uh, with their veterans and their homeless veteran population are coming out and we're providing a good meal and they're going through the service and we're helping the U.S. Army uh, Human Resource Command. They have a contractor there that, that hires disabled veterans. They're sending their veterans out to our program. It's just been a huge blessing. I get to see God move. It ain't me and none of it's me. I'm not that cool or creative, but I get to see God move and I get to see these these folks transform and I couldn't envision a better better plan you know and we've we've talked many times over the last year and and oftentimes we talk about obviously god's control in this big picture and what i think is absolutely incredible when you look at this thing in the broad spectrum is it you as an individual right had had been faced with some extremely trying circumstances right and and because of your deployments and things you were you were affected in ways that are very very challenging right absolutely stuff that people don't don't overcome and and your story although unique to you is representative of thousands and thousands of men and women that come back from their deployments overseas and how one man you yourself right by god's grace was able to take control of your situation and now one man's success has grown into serving over 1500 veterans and you you don't even know what that reach continues to be when you start calculating family members and friends and their social right. circles of who they serve i mean it's just absolutely amazing and it's a huge testament to the grace of god how solving one individual's issue and then that individual making investment a priority because that's what god has pushed him to do Right. And and now look at look at the reach that has taken place. If people aren't committed at that point, then then there's not much we can do for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know that's right. And 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 what I'm learning now is as this thing has has grown that that uh, the Department of Veteran Affairs are sending 
uh, folks that come to them uh, for mental health needs, obviously they're treating them as, as they do. But for, for an extra a bonus, you know, they're sending them out to our program. They're getting them uh, connected with us because they see our work. They believe in it. They see the results of it. And, um, and so that's led into a whole other spectrum for myself on a personal level is, is now, you know, politicians, uh, media outlets, um, mental health professionals, just people in general are reaching out to me and saying, hey, how in the world are you becoming so successful at doing this? And, and, and what can we do to assist you or what can you tell us to do that can make us more effective yeah. and uh, sort of a consultant uh, in yeah. a way for, for veteran affairs. And, and, uh, and, and, and my, my real answer, and, 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 you know, sometimes it's taken uh, really, really well. And sometimes, it, you know, it's, it's kind of dismissed. But my real answer is God, God puts the message in my head. The Holy Spirit lives in me. And when he when I get that nudge to do something, I do it. And the rest is history. Yeah. It's just, it's just, and, and, uh, you know, those who believe, you know, they're like, I get that. That's, that's so cool. It's so amazing. And those who don't will say, yeah, you know, I mean, I get it. Like, I know you love God, and, but, but you're doing this and you're doing that. And I'm like, you know, I love, uh, from a, from a human aspect, from a, from a, uh, a pride perspective, I'd love to take full credit for that, but I can't, Yeah. you know, I mean, I facilitate what God tells me to do the best way I can. And that's kind of how, how it is, man. And it just, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. And it's, it's been really helpful. It's been very stressful at times, but I tell you, I wouldn't want to do anything in this world. You know, I don't make money doing this. This is not how I get my source of income. This is just a labor of love. You know, uh, you know, you know, Paul talks about let all, all things that you do be done in love. And, and I believe that. Uh, and so that's kind of, that's kind of my motivation and discipline to do this is just, Hopefully one day when I when I enter that gate, and I hope it's late. Uh, but I, you know, to hear to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you bring up a good point earlier when you talk about your first submissions to Christ. You know, I think very a lot of people, right? They're committed to Christianity and they're committed to their religion. They're committed to their faith. But in my opinion, uh, being committed and actually submitting. Are, are two completely different things. And I walked a very parallel journey in my life. And once I committed to the submission uh, of Christ's work, it's absolutely incredible the opportunities that have been presented and there's no earthly explanation for them, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's not, you know, and, and there is a difference. You're right. There is a contrast between uh, commitment and, and actually living it out. You know, I think living it out um, is, 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 way different um, than actually just saying, hey, I'm a believer. Well, that's good. I mean, that is the first step, right, is to be a believer. But what are you doing about it? You know, are you, are you a man of action? Are you someone who goes to where the lost are? Are you, are you someone who, who is willing to be uncomfortable? And uh, are you willing to die daily? Because that's required of us, you know, die daily, pick up your cross and follow me. And, and for a long time, when I heard take up your cross, I thought of it as them carrying the cross, you know, all the way up this hill. And I thought that's what that meant. But when it, but in reality, what take up his cross after further study, it means to die because that's how Jesus died, right? He, he took up his cross and, and was, was hung on the cross. And so that, that was a different challenge for me. It's like, I have to die daily to Jeremy. I have to, the things that I want, the desires that I have, if they don't match up with Christ, I have to get rid of it. And I call it radical amputation 
because there's no sugar-coated way to do it, right? You can't just, well, I'll give up this over here, but you know, I'm really liking this, and I'll just, if I do 90% of it, then I'm good. Yeah. 90%, 90% is an A in college, but but it doesn't work that way uh, when you want to follow Christ. And, and are we perfect at that? No. And will we ever be? Absolutely not. And that's why, thankfully, that Jesus died on the cross, because he knew we were going to mess up. So it's not to put the pressure to be perfect, but it's just acknowledging that I have to die to the to, to, to Jeremy and I have to want to live for Christ. And so, you know, I just think about that every day, you know, is how am I going to die today, you and know, it, in a way to. It's true. If you place the focus on the grace of God, right, in, in your understanding and your walk with Christ, I can tell you in my journey, um, once you have that realization that this is God's work and He's presenting you with incredible opportunities, uh, it's a euphoric feeling, you know, to ha- to have Christ in your corner and realize what's going on. And then, as you start to travel that journey, I at least know in my life, you know, it's not that all of a sudden I have this realization and everything got easy and I'm going down the path and everything's so clear as far as my mission and purpose. No, there were challenges and there will always be challenges, right? And there's always tough days. And and sometimes we do really good and then we have long spells and not doing so well, right? It's just the ebb and flow of it. But when, I, when, when I'm faced with those trying times or I'm faced with the challenges or the adversities, whatever it is, Right, I try to reflect and think back on the the grace of God, and He's put me here for a purpose. And I truly believe in my life, God has placed me here to use horses to heal human beings. And uh, this podcast is obviously one of His missions in that. It's incredible when you take a step back. We're far stronger than what we give ourselves credit for, right? And and again, this is Christ doing in, in a lot of it. Absolutely, and and the, the way the horses play into to what I do is, is is man, they they just bring out the best in me. Uh, I can't scientifically tell you why, um, but I'll tell you, when I'm around them, I get this sense of, of ground, this, this, this sense of, of uh, balance, you know, that, that I don't have uh, when I'm going out and doing some of these things. You know, I get all caught up in what's going on and, and I get overwhelmed and I get anxious. And, and, but I'll tell you, when I, when I step foot on the ranch and I get out and I go grab a horse, all that goes. Yeah. All that goes away. And, and, uh, and, and a lot of times only horse people get that. Right. But, um, and so that's where I go. I go there to pray. You know, I pray for my horses. You know, I, I go there anytime I'm in a place, uh, even outside of the sessions I do for veterans, just on a personal level, I'll, I'll go there. I'll, I'll turn a bucket over five gallon bucket. I'll sit there in the pasture and I'll just, I'll pray and just watch them horses. And there's something about it, man. It's magical. It's supernatural. I know that God created them to be a, to be a, uh, a partner of ours in this life. And I couldn't imagine, you know, being fairly new to horses, you know, I mean about three years now total. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine my life going forward without, without horses. I just couldn't do it. I mean, they just, they're just so good at uh, making you be authentic you know, because you get out there and if you're anxious and you're worried and you're 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 angry or whatever emotion you're going through, they're, they're going to respond to the, those emotions. And so what it does for me personally, it checks me at the at the gate. Right. I get to the gate and I'm like, OK, if I want to work with this horse, I got to have a better vibe about me. I'm going to be able to catch it. Yeah, it's going to be a long right? day. So, yeah. And so that's good because out in the world, we don't have anybody to do that. 
right, we, we can always, if, if we're out doing something out in public and we get to a place where we're not comfortable, what, what can we do? We can go home and isolate. We can hide in our house or we can hide in our vehicle or, or, or avoid things that we should be confronting. And so that's what the horse makes me do. It goes, all right, Jeremy, what is it, man? What is it about you? And that's what it does for the veterans that comes out, you know, because I tell them, you know, they kind of laugh at it. But I say, hey, this we got to work with this horse today. And it's not a poodle, so you can't go pick it up. So we better figure out what's going on inside that makes that horse not want to be a part of this herd. And right away, you know, they're like, man, that's, a, that's, that's wild. Like, I have to get right before. And I'm like, yeah, you have to, the horse has to feel protected, has to feel safe. You have to have that trust to get the work done. And uh, I said, would you, would you trust uh, a guy walking up to you that was anxious and, and uh, all over the place? And, and they're like, no. I'm like, what's the same? It's yeah. the same with that yeah. horse. You know, that it's the, the different circumstance, right? The horse wants to make sure it doesn't get eaten. You know, we want to make, <laughs> we want to make sure, we want to make sure that, that we don't get hurt. I said, but it's all the same, right? So, yeah. so, so we sit there and work that out, man. And then they get the horse and they stick with the horse, the same horse all day. And before you, before they leave that afternoon, they don't want to. They were like, Hey, I, I'd spend a night in the stall or Hey, can I take the horse? You know, they make these jokes. Sometimes, you know, but it's it's real, that connection. And I can't explain it from a scientific standpoint, but I believe I believe it's a God thing. I'll tell you what, it's absolutely incredible hearing you talk. You know, our horses arrived somewhat later in your life, you know, and uh, just the passion and the fire. It's more than evident. And I think and with a lot of this, the, the, the tough part is, is that humans by nature were emotionally deceptive, right? Right. We could be feeling one way and presenting another. And uh, another deficit that we were faced with is just our awareness, right? Emotional awareness. And this is where I think the huge uh, tide starts to turn when we start working with law enforcement and military is that uh, in those professions, you're almost conditioned, right, to suppress that emotion because there's a mission at hand. You have to carry out the task in the majority of work that you need to do. And uh, eventually we just we condition ourselves as human beings to to become so good at suppressing that emotion, uh, we never give ourselves a chance to work through it. And, it. and it usually is when it hits a head, right? That's when we realize it's a problem. And at that point, we're way too far behind, you know? So the horse allows these, these veterans and, and first responders to to start to develop some of that awareness, right? To start to bring some of that stuff back to light. And it, and it seems to be done at a pace that's digestible. It seems right. to be presented in a manner that's non-judgmental. You know, it's just incredible to sit back and watch the work be done. And uh, hopefully, hopefully people get something out of it. Yeah. You know, that, that leads me to, to the other side of my ministry. Um, you know, I do the, the veterans club stuff and, and uh, that that's, that's my baby and, and my dream. And that's all great. But I tell you what makes me, good at that um, is serving with another organization. It's actually based out in Southern California uh, called Mighty Oaks Warrior Program. And that's a faith-based organization that, um, you know, teaches authentic manhood and, and works through combat stress and, and, and other, you know, resiliency issues uh, within veterans' lives and first responders, right? And so, uh, being a team leader with them and leading teams uh, when these when these men come out to these different uh, different states, these different um, I don't want to say retreat because it's 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 a, it's a lot of work that happens out there. But you know they're there for a week in these locations and and uh, we're in the word all week long and and you know a lot of people ask the question, Hey Jeremy, what what can happen in a week though? 
you know? And I'm like, I'll tell you what, if I could record everything that happens in a week, um, you'd be surprised because I see men transform. I see marriages become restored. I see, you know, men figure out, you know, wow, I was doing it wrong this whole time. Like I had really no idea what authentic manhood look like. I had no idea what marriage looked like or, or how to handle money and possessions or what brotherhood actually was. I mean, I know that we're supposed to take care of each other, but I didn't know that it was holding my brother accountable. You know, all these things that, that, that fall into that, those, those classes we teach out there. Um, it's awesome to watch uh, God work through us because obviously we can't take credit for that, but to watch them work. And, and all we're doing is really sharing his word, sharing the truth with them. And, and we're trying to live it out in front of them while they're there. And uh, sometimes you'll, you'll have a participant say, Jeremy, I mean, I thought being a Christian meant that you can't really have fun and, 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 and you had to be so serious all the time. He goes, I see you guys cutting up and joking about each other and, and making fun of each other's services or making cop jokes or, or whatever. And, and, uh, it just, it just really gives me, you know, it really makes me look at things differently. And, uh, that, that's one of the biggest misconceptions amongst, amongst men. Um, and I can't speak for women cause I'm not one, but amongst the, 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 the men who, who want to be believers, they feel like they have to give up everything. And I'm like, that's absolutely not true. You just got to know who your, who your God is. And you got to know, uh, you got to have, uh, the, the, the outline of your life in place and know where to go when you need help. Yeah. And know not, how to live. Not necessarily yeah. a new weapon system. You just got to realign the sights, right? That's it, man. And so, uh, but I'll tell you doing that work, you know, and I, I do four programs a, uh, a year and I'm about to do the fourth one in September, uh, in Virginia, but that helps me come home and be better at what I do at home. Um, when it comes to the faith stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraged me to go into the county jails here in Kentucky and teach these same classes to inmates, uh, which is really new, uh, but it's a passion of mine. It's, it's, it's in my heart, you know, to, to let these men understand that, you know, we're all just, we're all just a mistake away from being in that same boat, you know, and, and, and I understand that there's a lot of, a lot of people locked up who probably should be locked up. I'm not denying that, but I know that there's a lot of people locked up who didn't, didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to live. They didn't have anybody train them how to be a man, how to, how to, how to go to work and have that work ethic or, or how to live right. Nobody, nobody was there to share with them uh, the, the life skills of life. And, and I personally didn't have that from, from my father or, or any other male role model. So that's something that I learned through the military uh, the best I could. And then I, I just happened to be a little bit smart and could kind of figure it out, you know, as time progressed, but with a lot of failure, you know, and I tell these guys when I go in the, the jail, I say failure is not fatal. You know, just because you're here, it doesn't mean that that, that your legacy is already set in stone. You can leave here and build a legacy that everybody will remember. But what is it about about you that you want them to remember? Do you want it to be about you being here? Or do you want it to be about how I got out of here and I took control of my life and I've done what was necessary to live a life uh, of authentic manhood and to take care of my family and to be a godly man? That's what you want to be remembered, but it's not too late. I just try to transfer hope to these guys because – we don't want them to come back to jail, right? We want to put jails out of business. Yeah, it'd be nice uh, to put a, productive people back in society. Yeah, from a Christian standpoint, you yeah. know, we, we you know we can't forget. He said, you know, and the Bible talks about you know you don't send the well to the physician. You know, yeah. you send the sick. Yeah. So, so that's what led me kind of to go into the, uh, the, the 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 jail prison ministry was because I just 
God tells me not to give up on people. And I know that if he can change me and he can work in me, because I'll be honest with you, the only, only reason I've never been in jail is because I, I just got lucky because we've all done stupid things. Right. And so I just try not to judge them because I feel like they get judged enough. I just, what if, what if we can go in there and talk to the inmates and one comes out and he goes on to do something incredible? Was it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. So Yeah. I want to, I want to spend a little time and talk about your, your personal growth over the last year or so, you know, kind of some of the lessons you learned and you, you alluded to mighty Oaks and I kind of want to touch on your experience there because it wasn't like they just came to you out of the blue and asked you to be involved in their program. You know, it was something that you personally experienced, you know, on the receiving end and earned your way into the spot that you, that you currently hold there. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the more um, influential moments or, or some of the great learning lessons over the next year. And then, uh, towards the latter part of the show, we'll talk about the actual growth and development of uh, Veterans Club Kentucky and what it's become in the last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from a personal standpoint, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, I went out to Mighty Oaks uh, as a student uh, in March of 2018. And, um, man, I thought I knew what it looked like to be a man. I really did. I believed, you know, I was this, this, this veteran, this combat veteran. I was good soldier and, you know, um, did all the, you know, accomplished all these things in the military and had good jobs and just my work ethic was good, that kind of thing. Right. And I thought, well, that's what a man does. Like if he works hard, he, he accomplishes stuff and he's hardcore. Right. I mean, I really believed that that was a man. And I went out there and, um, I learned that none of the, none of that I believed was true. I learned that everything that I thought made me a man was just a way for me to, to hide behind insecurity. You know, I, I, uh, I thought being tough and being hard and, and, and being non-emotional was what a man's supposed to do. In reality, I was running from what was real and that, and that was dealing with those emotions and those things, you know, that that we, we go through and we process and we grow from. I was I was, you know, inevitably inhibiting my growth as a man with these false uh, preconceived notions of what it looked like to be a man. And so I learned a lot about character, man. That's one of our classes out there. And that's one of the classes that hit me most was, uh, are you a man of character? Are you a man of your word? You know? Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I was, uh, I was whatever made me feel better about myself, whether it was true or not. And, and, um, I learned so much in that week. And, and that's why I wanted to, to, to go to the next step at Mighty Oaks and, and, and serve for them. You know, it's a, it's another thing. I mean, I don't get paid to do that. I go and, and volunteer for that week and because I seen what it done to me and it, it totally changed my life. Um, not in the way that the program actually changed my life, but it led me to get into the word and to have a relationship with Christ, which then in turn uh, changed my life and, and, and gave me a whole new way of thinking. I thought I knew what marriage was. And you're talking about a guy who had three divorces. <laughs> yeah. You so, might have missed the boat a couple times. <laughs> so, so three divorces and they didn't equal three years altogether. You see what I mean? And, and so, but, but if you would have asked me, Hey, Jeremy, what do you think about marriage? I'm like, well, this is what, you, what, it, what it says. You, you know, you're a leader, you're in charge and you know, all these alpha, uh, beliefs. Right. And so and when I went through the marriage class out there, I was, you know, I was just like, Oh, Lord have mercy. And, and I, I was remarried at the time to my wife now, obviously. And, and it, it, it really did a 180 on our relationship, but I, I, I called her and apologized <laughs> after that <laughs> class. I called her and I said, I'm sorry. I have no idea what marriage looks like, but I do now. And I tell you, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be better. I'm going to show you because you've heard the other before. 
right? And so I know that you may not believe that, and I wouldn't either. So I'm going to come home, and I'm going to show you what that looks like. And uh, I do the best I can now. I can tell you that that it's a, it's a whole different it's a whole different paradigm now uh, within our marriage. And and uh, th- there was a lot of people I felt like I needed to call and, and apologize to. Man, you know, a lot of yeah. close yeah. close friends and family. Uh, especially when it comes to the forgiveness part, you know, they have a class on forgiveness and, and, uh, a lot of times as, as men, um, we got this, uh, no, we got this vengeance motivation, right? To, to not forgive, but to, I'm going to, I'm going to get you tenfold or I'm going to, you're going to pay for that mentality, man. And that was me a hundred percent. Like you mess with me. I'm going to do this 10 times over to you. And uh, I'm embarrassed about that, but I, I think it needs to be said because I think a lot of us fall into that category. But I tell you, man, the, the, the most freedom I've ever experienced is when I forgave, when I forgave those who have trespassed against me in some way, when I, even my father and my, and my mother and my family who, who I felt like could have done a better job of, uh, taking care of me, you know, um, when I started to forgive, man, the, the sense of relief, it was like, I just took a pack off and dropped it, man. It was, it was, uh, it was just, it was just so so great, you know, and, and, um, and, and forgiving is hard, you know, forgiving is hard because again, as men, we're prideful people and that's what we run into a lot. We're, we're like, Oh no, I, he didn't say sorry. I ain't saying sorry. You know, that kind of, that's my ball. No, that's my ball mentality that we sometimes have. But in reality, we don't apologize to the person who did something to us because of them. We apologize to free us. Yeah. And see, that's the perspective that, that, I didn't know at the time, and I think a lot of folks out there don't understand. They think that they're giving them an out by forgiving them, and that's totally not true. Whatever they did to you, that's between them and God now. But you did your part by forgiving them, and so now you're free of that, right? It's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And so, you know, all those classes, you know, and, and there's more. You know, there's there's money and possessions, and there's there's brotherhood, and, and there's legacy, and, and, and different classes. I tell you, it sort of breaks you down and rebuilds you. And that's kind of what I felt like it done for me. It just, it just kind of flushed, flushed me out, man. It flushed out the, 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 the wrong ways of thinking and, and the, the thinking that I had control. And it brought in the no German, you don't have control. In fact, you better rely on God because <laughs> that's the only way out of this. Yeah. Right. And so no, you're, that's you're absolutely of, correct. You know, and, and a lot of these lessons are difficult lessons to learn to individuals drawn to the, the law enforcement and military world, right? You just, you're naturally hardwired to protect and you're naturally hardwired to fight. Right. And I'm not talking physical right. fight, but when, when something needs to be stood up for, you're the man to stand up or you're the woman to stand up. Right. And oftentimes the general preconceived notion to forgiveness is a sign of weakness. You know, well, if I forgive you for what you did, then I'm condoning your action. You know, that's, that's, that's the, the immature way of thinking about it. And it's a very, very hard lesson to learn. And it's a very hard lesson to buy into that when you truly commit to forgiveness, you know, and that, that's what I tell people, Hey, their action is, is what they have to answer to when they hit the doorstep. That's right. It ain't mine to judge, right? It's all done. It, it is what it is. The story's been written, you know, and and that's that's how I provide my self-relief in the whole forgiveness thing because I used to run just like you did. Um, you want to cross me, we're going to have issues. And and I have no problem with any of it, right? Uh, you get right. what you get. And uh, sometimes you stand up a victor and sometimes you get knocked flat on your back. But 
being hardwired to get into the fight and stand up for those who won't stand up for themselves is just, it's a difficult thing to overcome when you talk about the forgiveness thing. It is. And, and you know what else, man, uh, a, a pivotal moment uh, in my personal growth as well was when I started to think about when people do us wrong, when I started to go, what's going on in their life? What is it that they may be going through? Like I never even considered what the other person is going through. You know, I was all, I was just selfish and thinking, oh, well, they just, they just, it's just me. It's all about me. Like they did something to me, you know, instead of nowadays I take a step back and I go, okay, yeah, you know, that ain't right. But what's going on in their heart? You know, what, what, what is it that's going on in their life that's making them react to me this way? Or because I think if we do that, we start to figure out that there's something going on in their life as well that you could potentially help them with and everybody can win. Right. And so I just never looked at it through that lens until, you know, my faith grew stronger and and my relationship with Christ got deeper and more intimate to where I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I could get mad about this. And you know what? I have a right to be mad about this because yes, this person was wrong. However, what's going on? What kind of day have they had? What kind of year have they had? What if they lost their child? You know, I've had experience like that. What if, what if, uh, you know, they're going to lose their house or, or what if their marriage is failing? Like, why don't we dig in a little deeper before we react and and see if there's something we can help them with? Maybe it's not them. Maybe that's not who they are. Maybe they're just projecting the pain. And so once I started to, to recognize that, I tell you, 99% of that stuff that happens to us, we were able to deflect because we started working on the real source. See, I think as a, as a country and as, as, as a people, or, you know, as people that we, we sometimes get caught up in, you know, our own personal stuff, right? And we get so deep into that, that we don't recognize that more, more often than not, it's a bigger picture uh, than what we like to believe. You know, what if we got to the source and quit putting band-aids on symptoms, right? If we just get to the source of things. And so that's, that's kind of the personal growth that's changed even in our equine program at Veterans Club or any other event that I do at Veterans Club is just going, you know, what's what's the real root of the problem? Because, yeah, we can say this guy's anxious or this girl's uh, hypervigilant or she's depressed, right? And we can say that all day. That's But let's, let's not treat that. Let's get to the bottom of it. Where's the hole in, you know what I mean? So. No, you're absolutely correct. And, and what you just described is how I present awareness when I'm talking to individuals in, in, in relationship to horsemanship, right? In developing right. awareness that, hey, your emotional state has an impact on this animal, right? And it's no different like you described. When, when you're put in a situation and working with a horse, right, and you're not getting a desired response, you have to find the why, Right. And as you describe people lashing out at you or you lashing out at people, right? Our natural inclination is to be personally offended by it. But when you take that step back and you understand, okay, why did that person just come at me the way they did? Why did that person use the language they did? Why did the person take the action that they took, right? You can now start to see a situation with a lot more clarity. And once you start to project that clarity on a situation, you understand perspective better. You understand intent better. You can effectively communicate and then begin to grow. That's right. You know, and, and that's another thing that horses do for us, right? Cause they can't communicate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Verbally. So, so you, you got to come to an agreement, you know, I really believe at work with horses. Like you have to come to an agreement with each other, right. And, and, and build that trust. And, and, uh, 
you know, I, I use an example um, at, a, at a session I had when I first started doing this. Uh, somebody, you know, somebody brought a, a bag of carrots out, right? And um, we're sitting over there. We're kind of in a group discussion. We're in a paddock, and, and so it, the horse is just kind of roaming around. And but the horse, gra- I'm sitting there talking in this group, and the horse grabs the uh, the bag of carrots and starts taking taking, you know, doing what it should do, what I would do, right? If I was a horse, it takes the carrots and it starts to go about its business. And instead of me going over and just simply getting that back, right, I do what we often do. I reacted before I, I thought clearly, right? And I said, hey, 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 you know, and uh, I scared the horse. Now the horse let go, but the horse ran to the other end of the paddock. And, and I sat there for a second and I used that. I said, I said, I just made a critical error. Because the trust that I had built up with this horse, I now have to go fix. Yes. Because because of the way I handled this situation. So so how often do we do that in our lives to the people we love? Yes. Specifically to our kids, right? When, when your kids spill something, your first thing is, why'd you do that? Instead of going, hold on a minute, let's just let's just clean this up together. Yeah. And I said I said, So while while right now that situation's over for me, that horse don't want nothing to do with me right now. And so now I got to take the time and the energy to go to the end of that paddock and get that horse to trust me again. It's a, and so when you talk when you talk about those situations, right? I, I I personally believe that when you when you objectively try to answer the question why, it allows you the opportunity to be more aware of the big picture, right? And when you're more aware of the big picture, um, there's an adage that I use that I've learned is is that you you respond and don't react, you know, and it's a, it's a chain effect. If you find out the why, you're allowed the awareness. If you're allowed the awareness, you can make a better decision in responding and not reacting because the tough part is, is it's difficult to find the response, right? What is the correct way to respond to this circumstance? The easy thing is to instinctually react, right? But oftentimes right. the reaction comes with a negative connotation or a negative imprint on the situation. And now you've just set yourself back however many strides, depending on the severity of that reaction. That's right. And, you know, with that situation, there was a gentleman who was part of the, the, the session that day. And I remember getting an email from him uh, about a month later. And he goes, Jeremy, I've been I've went a month without yelling at my child, you know, because of that, because of that. Because uh, of a situation. stupid bag of carrots. <laughs> because of a bag of carrots, yeah. because, of, because and and here's the kicker: I made a mistake, but even in that mistake, somebody learned from that. And now, if you think about the mental health of the child, how much better of a quality of life does the child have now, where they're not walking on eggshells because dad gets mad and yells all the time? Yeah. So just a chain reaction. Everything that we do can can whether whether it's a mistake or whether it's something great can potentially impact someone else or a group of people in a positive way, you know, and, and, um, you know, that, that's that when we have these sessions and in between each, each phase of the session, you know, if we, if we, uh, we go catch the horse, we'll groom the horse. And after we get done grooming, we'll, we'll have a, uh, a get together, a group session. And, and I, I ask, you know, everybody, Hey, if you can, you know, tell me one or two reasons why you're here today, what are one or two reasons you believe that, that you need this and, and, uh, share with us. And, you know, a lot of times they'll say, you know, well, I'm anxious or, um, you know, I'm, I'm fearful, um, or I'm depressed and, and, but you know what, they never right away give me the source, you know? So I'll say, I'll say, well, why are you anxious? And then they sometimes get caught off guard because a lot of times they're never asked that question which is why they continue to struggle, why they continue to go down this rabbit hole is because nobody is peeling back that onion 
and going, well, why are you anxious? You know, so when I do that, they get a little caught off guard. They're like, well, because, you know, I'm not good in crowds. And here I am out here at this ranch I don't know with horses I don't know and people I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. You know, why does that bother you? Well, when I was in Iraq, we, we did a lot of patrols and, and, you know, I just don't like crowded people because of roadside bombs and you didn't know what everybody was doing and there was these threats. And see, we just keep peeling back that onion and, and that's why we've become so successful at what we do because I don't want to just talk about your anxiety. I don't want to just focus on your anxiety. I want you to get rid of that, right? If I just talk about what anxiety looks like, yeah, here's the definition of anxiety. I don't want to do that. I want to know what in your heart is making you anxious so that we can just attack that, right, and get rid of that totally. And so when you get rid of that, everything else falls away. And so that's that's kind of how we structure the group therapy session and what we do out there is is I, you know, I'll tell them it's not a it's not a hug event program. This is kind of a poke. <laughs> yeah, this is this is kind of a poke event situation. Yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna poke you a little bit, but I love you. Yeah. And I'm poking you because you know if, if you use the analogy of being in a fight, you know, uh, yeah, you're you're gonna get hit in the mouth, but you will survive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd rather be hit. I'd rather be hit in the mouth one time then the day after day get hit in my mouth because I'm not taking care of what I need to take care of. Right. And so I tell them, get, it's going to hurt. Let it hit. And that's okay. We'll get through it together. That's what we're here for. And man, it's just, you know, I, I had a, uh, a Vietnam veteran who come out and, and uh, he come out and, and, and Vietnam veterans for us are, are the hardest ones to reach. And, and he was just not into horses, didn't want anything to do with horses. And, and he told me that several times, right. He wanted to make that clear. And, but by the end of the session, he was walking out and he shook my hand. He's like, Oh, wait a minute. I got to go kiss my horse. Right. So he had, he had totally bonded with his horse. Uh, and the horse got so comfortable with him that, that while on the lead, the horse decided to roll, you know, which is, mm-hmm. we all know is a vulnerable position and yeah. a level of comfort for a horse to do. He did that while he was on the lead. And, um, and so I told him, I said, do you understand that, that, that you have the ultimate level of trust between you and this horse right now for a horse to do that and to be vulnerable, right? Like, Four at feet your feet. From you. Yeah. Yeah. And so he understood that. And then before he left, he took me to the side and he goes, Jeremy, he goes, I haven't felt this relaxed in 40 years. You know, and I'm a 38 year old man and I can't imagine someone suffering in silence longer than I've been alive. And he comes out there for five hours, feels relaxation again. And I mean, I, I cried like a baby, man. I'll be honest with you. Like that was very emotional because that's the goal, man. That's that's what we're we're trying to accomplish here is to end the suffering for these these men and women. If people cannot buy into the grace and what what the amazing things a horse can do for folks, I mean, listen to what you just described, right? Here's a man who's been battling something for 40 years. 40 yeah. years he has been looking for an answer and cannot find it, could not find it. And you put him with a horse for 5 hours. <laughs> 5 hours from an individual who has no commitment to the horse, no desire to be yeah. around it, doesn't want to be a part of it, doesn't even want to look at it, right? That's right. And that horse is able to provide an answer in a five-hour time span from an individual who has wants, wants nothing to do with it. I think, I truly think with the whole law enforcement military thing, we're absolutely at the forefront of really, really, really starting to push the envelope and gain a lot of momentum in this field. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's let's get to Veterans Club of Kentucky, right? Last time we talked in episode number seven, you know, you were about a year a year from your your start. You were serving about seven or eight hundred veterans at the time. 
where you are today is way far down the road. And now you have several programs in which you offer services. So if you don't mind, let's go through some of those services, kind of what they have to offer individuals and how people can get more involved with Veterans Club of Kentucky. Yeah, sure. I mean, we, uh, so obviously our, our marquee program is, is we do the equine therapy and that's open to all veterans of all errors. Um, uh, and it doesn't matter even whether you, you, you served in combat or not. If you signed that dotted line, that that's good for us. Uh, we're also about to open up, uh, for first responders as well, uh, to, to try to work in, in that community as well. We have a lot of, um, veterans in our organization who are also law enforcement. Uh, that, that's a, uh, a frequent, uh, reality for us, and we, we want to make sure that we we show love to all who who serve our community and country. Uh, we have we have that we have I do uh, like I said jail ministry where I go to different jails and we talk about authentic manhood and, and, and how to how to act when you get released and how to get back on your feet and to lead a life that you're designed and created to lead. Um, so I do that in the jail. I also do that at different, uh, veteran service agencies. I'll go to classes. I'll teach classes like Salvation Army or Volunteers of America, which is really big. Um, I'll go and teach these same classes to these veterans and, and, uh, we do a lot of outreach. You know, for example, when the, the shutdown was, when we had the government shutdown, we have, um, uh, over, I believe it's 160 Coast Guard uh, personnel here in Kentucky, which was surprising to me because we're inland, you know, but I guess the river, but anyway, they, they, uh, <laughs> they, they got shut down and they weren't getting paid. And so, uh, one of uh, our members is also a member of the coast guard. He, he asked for our help. And within a week we had several thousand dollars broken down in gift cards for their, their, uh, their unit and, and a food pantry set up with a bunch of food and, and just supported them through that. So we do that kind of stuff. You know, we just, we, we truly don't have a limitation to how we serve. We want to do anything and everything and create as many opportunities for veterans and, and coming soon first responders to get out, get connected with each other. Because I, I seriously believe that the foundation of, of ending the, the suicide, both law enforcement and veteran related suicide, or just anybody in general is, is a connection. And so that's the foundation of our organization is to establish that, right? And once we establish that, then we start creating the events and you'll see people at different events. Like we, you know, we have um, range, well, I call it range therapy, right? Where we'll have a, we have a partnership with the range here in town who lets us come out and, and free gun rental and free range time and, in a restaurant like Mission Barbecue or Mod Pizza, bring some food for the veterans. And, and uh, yeah, they get to shoot. They get to do these cool things, right? But in my mind, what I'm really trying to do is create that that camaraderie that we had in service. And, and a lot of times, if it's successful, what you'll see that happens is they'll start exchanging numbers. And when I see that, I know the mission's accomplished, right? Because I know that I can't do it all. And so when they start changing numbers and they start developing these brotherhoods and forging these bonds with each other and sisterhood and, and they start calling each other outside of, the, of what we do for events, I think that's going to be that's going to create the snowball effect of healing. And so that's that's one of our, you know, our main missions. We just added warrior yoga to the mix. I'm not a very good yogi. Uh, never, <laughs> <laughs> never, intend, never intend to be. But, uh, but that's, you know, that's just another way that we want to be available. Yes. That's just another yes. opportunity, you know, cause everybody has their, their things, you know? And so that's the goal. My goal, uh, at veterans club is to have so much stuff to do that they can't do it all in a week. And we're, we're working on it. We're getting there. And so that's kind of how we, how we, uh, you're, you're operate. Not, not too far from that, from that mission, you know? And I think what my gr- greatest admiration of your program is, is it just the versatility of, 
of everybody that you serve and everything that you do, you know. Uh, when you talk about finding the source of an issue, you live it, right? Yeah. And and it's lived through the different avenues. I mean, it, you have programs that are as simple as a cup of, cup of coffee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have the we have the camaraderie and coffee. I forgot to mention that. You know, we do camaraderie and coffee, and I know that sounds simple, right? That's well, it's just you know just coffee and, and hanging out. But I tell you, man, some of the the, the biggest uh, transformations happen right there in that coffee shop because. You got a group of veterans who feel loved. We, we, we buy them a $3 cup of coffee, right? And then we sit there and we talk about any and everything, whether it's Veterans Club or whether it's just life, yeah. whether it's marriage yeah. and being a, being a father or a mother. We just talk about everything. And, and I'm telling you, there, there's so much value in that for them just to know that, hey, there's a group of people out there who really care about me and who really love me. And so now when a veteran, because veterans are notorious for going, and I'm sure first responders are probably the same, but they're notorious for going, Hey, nobody gets it, man. That's nobody understands. It's the easy way and, out, man. That's really what yeah. it is. And I'm like, hey, I know 1,500 people who understand that live right here in your neck of the woods. Yeah, that that cop out is gone, right? Yep. So, anyway, yeah, man, that's that's what we do, and 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 uh, it's it's caught on, and because there was a need, and you know, we support the VA. Like I'm a I'm a community partner with with the VA because what I want to do is is make it easier for the clinicians to help these veterans by. Uh, getting them to open up more to me. And so then I can say, okay, so now we've got to the source of your issue. Now I want you to go back to your next appointment and tell your therapist this. Don't talk about anxiety. Talk about how you were in Iraq and you were worried about IEDs and, and you were being shot at and you didn't know who you could trust. That's what I want you to talk about, right? Because that gets that cuts the red tape. That gets right down to the nitty gritty. And so that helps them. Because sometimes it could take a year or more for that de- that bond to develop between the, the service member and the and the uh, clinician. Yes, sir. So that's my way of supporting them. And, and, and uh, we just really, you know, me personally, uh, my mission on a personal level, but us as a team, we just we just really want to see uh, veterans and first responders lead a life that they deserve. I mean, they actually, earned, I mean, I don't want to say that way, but they actually went out and protected our way of life. Why are you not living it? Like, yeah. Don't let the guys that we lost have done that in vain. Go out and live, man. That's what they would tell you to do if they were here still. They'd say, go live. What are you doing? You know? And so I just try to, we try to create that atmosphere for them. And it, it gets back to life balance, man. I mean, when you live a life of service, you, you sometimes get buried in it, right? And in fulfilling your mission of service, you lose yourself. And hopefully programs such as Veteran Club of Kentucky and a lot of the mission of this podcast and creating the network is for for folks to find leadership in their own lives again and understand that it's okay to say no. It's okay to say that I'm broken. It's okay to say that I'm hurt. It's okay to say that I need help. It's okay to stand up and raise your hand and ask a question because um, we've all been broken. And, it, and if you say you haven't, you're a liar. That's right. Straight up. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, you know, and... And with your focus on camaraderie and the brotherhood and the sisterhood and bonding and the networking, I mean, you're creating a level of accountability within that community where where folks just start leaning on themselves. And I think now you're starting to see that spider web of support take place, you know, where in the beginning it was you pushing the envelope on a lot of this stuff. And now you're kind of starting to sit back and just watch the fire take place. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, more out of the... Uh 
the, the front line, so to speak. I'm doing more of the uh, higher level stuff, which is good. It just means that we're growing and, and the people who can make changes in this world or in this country and particularly in this state um, are asking about what we're doing because they're, they see that they see the results and they, they want to, I believe everybody really wants to help people. I do believe that. And so they reach out and, and uh, I go and meet with them and then, and it sometimes baffles them how simple it really is because a lot of times we want to put these big words and these big terms and these big diagnosis on everything. And, and in reality, it's just like you, they say, what do you do the best that, that works? And I say, I love them first. Yeah. I love them all first, man. And when they know that I love them and when they know that I'm, I'm really caring, I don't have an uh, ulterior motive. I'm not making a million dollars to do the things that I do. But then they know that I'm doing it just for them. Then they start to break down those walls. And then we focus on post-traumatic growth and we drop that disorder word because I don't believe that anybody's disordered. I believe no. that we have a, a normal reaction to an abnormal circumstance, but I don't believe that we're disordered. I believe that we – in fact, I tell these veterans all the time and first responders, like, we're, we're some of the most resilient people in this world. You know what I mean? The capabilities that we have through our experiences, we can do a lot of great stuff, you know, and just, just let them see the positive part of it instead of always, well, you'll never be able to do this again. Well, you'll never be the same. I don't, I don't, that ain't what I, that I target. I target the opposite. This is what you can do now that you probably couldn't do then that you're going to be able to change lives doing. And so that's what we focus on. Good stuff, Jeremy. Well, let's talk a little bit about how folks can find you, how folks can follow your content, how folks can actually get involved and reach out to Veterans Club of Kentucky. Yeah, so we have a, uh, a website at uh, www.veteransclubky.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Veterans Club. You can find us on Instagram at Veterans Club Kentucky. Um, we do have a Twitter account. I'm not very good at Twitter, so um, I would stick to Facebook and Instagram and, and shoot us a message, and, and uh, or you can email us at louisville.veterans at gmail.com. Um, I want to hear from you. And even if you're not in Kentucky and you need something from me or from us and there's something we can do, please reach out because uh, it, it takes a village. Uh, just because we're, you know, Veterans Club of Kentucky don't mean we limit ourselves to that. It's just uh, it's our wheelhouse, but uh, we'd be more than happy to help whether it be consulting on an equine program, whether it be uh, just some uh, advice on starting a, a, a sort of the same kind of organization in a different state, I'm all about it. I want to I want to see these these folks get help and, and whatever that looks like. So there's no pride or ego with me. I'm 100% open book and, and, and uh, let me know if you need anything. Yes, sir. And as we end every show, right, we like to uh, share words to live by or, or life lessons learned. Is there something in this last year of growth that, that you could share with folks maybe to inspire or push them along a little bit? Yeah, you know, it's uh, I, I just recently uh, thought about this and picked this up, and I, I tell people every time I speak, I just tell them, you never lose until you quit. So whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish or you're trying to overcome or you're trying to obtain or – no matter how long it takes, no matter how much work it takes, and it may not be the same for you as it is for everybody else. We all have our different timelines, but you only lose when you quit. Don't quit. When you played football, if you, I played high school football, and my coach would always say, you keep them legs moving no matter what, right? That's what we got to do in life. We got to keep our legs moving because we can break free. I mean, you, you see it in football all the time. Guys break free from four or five guys and go on to score a touchdown. And, and that, that, that's, that's a good illustration of what we can accomplish here. So, you only lose when you quit. Don't quit. Keep moving. Keep learning. Keep exploring different ways to take care of yourself. Well, Jeremy, I'll tell you what. It's another amazing episode. We always appreciate our time with you and, and all the, the lessons you have to share, my friend. We are very excited to see what Veterans Club has to offer in the next, uh, 
I guess, year or so, huh? And uh, yeah, yeah. it's very much, it's very exciting to see where you have come since the last episode. So you always have an open invitation here at our show. And if there's anything that we could ever do to help you, you, you know, you don't hesitate to reach out. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. All right, brother, you take care and we'll talk to you down the road. All righty. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.